from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Engineer. You're getting sleepy. No, sorry, yeah. you're getting engineering. You're getting engineering. Uh, we're here at the Adafruit factory in downtown Manhattan. There's a thunderstorm slash hurricane slash tornado going on, so power and internet might go out. We'll just we'll just be yeah. chill, everybody. We'll, we'll try the our best, best to get back online, we'll see. But it's outside not. of our control. Mother Nature is, is, is punishing us. She's trying to tell us something. Maybe. Mr. Lady Ada is with me, uh, doing the best we can, staying dry. There also might be water dripping, but you know, yeah. it's cool. Um, we got an exciting show for you about one hour of all the latest news in Python hardware, electronics, keyboards, and more. We're going to be here till about 9 o'clock, and uh, let's just get right into it. Okay, on tonight's show, the code is proximity. I'll tell you why later in the show, but it's 10% off in the Adafruit store all the way up to probably 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. But sometimes I turn off the code a little bit earlier. So use the code on checkout, 10% off anything in stock tonight only. Mm. Talk about our Adafruit Live Series shows, including Show and Tell. Got some time travel, look around the world, makers, hackers, artists, engineers, news, and more. Some main New York City factory footage, some 3D printing, Ion NPI, brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. We got some new products, we got Top Secret. We'll answer your questions. We do that on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. Join all 30,000 of us. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's uh, do a couple things to pay the bills first. Yes. Um, and then I'll jump into some of the topics tonight. Code, so don't code, forget code, code. proximity. And also, um, before you check out today, tomorrow, or the next day, it's don't a forget. holiday on Monday. Yes. And so... It's Labor Day here in the U.S., September 6th, so we will not be shipping things until Tuesday, and it might be a little slow on Tuesday getting all the stuff out the door. So just keep that in mind when you place an order. We'll put banners on the site and in the outbound emails when you place an order, but just please keep it in mind. And if you're uh, off on Monday, please stay safe. While you're adding stuff to your cart, though, you get free things. Yes, only when you order from Adafruit. We give you freebies, $99 or more. You get a free Permaproto half-size breadboard. Great for taking your uh, projects off of a breadboard and making them permanent and nice and solid. Uh, I loved using something like this in school. I wish I'd had this exact design. This is exactly what I would have loved. So I designed it and we're giving it away to you. 149 or more, you get a free STEM QT board. We have a range of, you know, 20-ish different boards. We'll give you a different one each time if you make an account. Uh, these plug-and-play sensors and devices are awesome and easy to use. And so many boards now are coming with STEMA and QT uh, connectors and, and quick connectors. So... Um, you know, this can be a solderless way to extend your projects, which is super awesome. UPS ground shipping uh, comes free when you order a $1.99 or more of stuff. Uh, that's Continental United States ground shipping. Uh, we love it because it's insured and tracking and it's reliable and there's a friendly delivery person that brings your package. $2.99 or more, you get a free Circuit Playground Express, our all-in-one development board. It's round, it features a SAMD21, it's got LEDs and buttons and sensors and more, capacitive touch, easy to use with Arduino, CircuitPython, Code.org, CS Discoveries, MakeCode, MicroLisp, and more. Okay. Um, before we talk about our live shows, uh, one, uh, I saw a question I can just answer quickly because uh, they heard the rain and everything. They want to know, uh, where's Adafruit in our building? So we have multiple floors. Yes. So um, if there's... We're not on the ground floor. If, if, yeah, we're not on the ground floor. And so if we have um, any really bad weather, um, not all floors are going to get We flood from impacted. the top, not from yeah. the bottom. Yeah. Ah, what are you going to do? So, it's okay. Look, anyways. it's an older building. We're in New York. I mean, yeah. not as old as buildings in Europe, but for New York, it's fairly old. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about some of our shows. So we have a bunch of live shows that we do each week. We just finished Show and Tell. Really neat Show and Tell this week. Air quality is Check it the theme, out. I think. That was th that yeah, was the theme this week. Yeah, we got some whippersnapper demos, too. Yeah, Mark showed. Uh, Mark's on the whippersnapper beta. If you ever want to be on the beta, folks, let us know um, in the IO chat in Discord. It's a no-code solution, and yes, we've made it too easy to do Internet of Things. It's our fault. I'm so sorry. Um, but there's a lot of annoying websites out there that you can go visit later. Yeah. Our thing will be too easy. Other yeah. ones, they're making it too hard. Yeah. Sunday, Desk of Lady Ada. That was me. Part one. Okay. Talk so about. Um, I talked about um, remapping LEDs and pixels. This is just one of those things 
that you got to do when you're an engineer. You'll, you'll have like a grid or a circles or some, you'll have some elements and you have to map those elements um, to pins or something. And there's always like, well, what's the, what's the foolproof, easy, fast way to do it? And the answer is there isn't. You just kind of go through one by one. I actually um, did the mapping for the matrix, finished it today. I just sat down. It just takes like an hour or two and you do it. Um, so I talked about that and, and just some of my trips, ticks and tips and tricks and techniques. Um, I also showed off this paper shoot camera, which is a uh, like a low cost uh, DIY camera PCB and showed off some photos and, and uh, picked out some parts that were on um, the paper shoot, including this kind of nice four way switch, which was the great search item. Yeah, we do this thing called Great Search every single week, brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. And what we talk about is using Lady A's powers of good to find things on the DigiKey site. So this week was the four-way four switch. So these are on guitars, someone said. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're used on, you know, various, you know, things that, things that need a lot of selectors but don't have um, a, an interface. You know, a lot of people, to, to be honest, I, I see a lot of products these days that use a single button or they use a touch screen. Switches are actually a little bit archaic. I personally like them. I think they're, you know, they're reliable and easy to use. Um, but it's just, you know, the difference between SPDT, DPDT, uh, SP3T, and 4T, yeah, I just kind of go through it and, and give you some options, also tell you what to look for, um, for different slide switches. I just, I love slide switches. I think they're, I think they're just so intuitive. Yeah. Okay. Since we talked about I.O., um, I thought we can just answer a couple quick questions as we go along. Sure. I'm trying to intersperse more questions. Also, uh -huh. folks... Sometimes they don't believe that anyone would do a live show. Certainly not for a decade. It's not live. We're robots. Yeah. Well, no, we're not robots. We're um, good robots. So uh, is it possible to do a live webcam snapshot and then send that over to I.O., pull it down to MagTag or an LED Yeah, matrix? we have. We actually have a ESP32 S2 CircuitPython webcam demo. We have a couple webcam demos to I.O. I mean, it's not going to be very fast because I.O. is rate limited. Um, Part of the deal is we make it free, but we don't let you kind of just like blast data to it. So it's not a webcam server, but you can take photos. And especially if you want photos to be taken based off of a sensor or, or mm -hmm. some event that would cause a photo, um, for sure. Okay. All right. Next up. So other live shows we do, we have JP's product pick of the week every single week. Uh, this is also um, something that's remarkable, strange, unique, interesting. Uh, we do a live broadcast from inside, inside of a product page, page and, yes. within and we give discounts. Massive discounts. Massive discounts. So this week's uh, product pick of the week, take it away, JP, it's PowerBoost. The PowerBoost 1000C. It is a boost that takes your batteries from 3.7 up to about 5.2 volts, and it's a charger. I'm gonna power a Raspberry Pi 4. I'm gonna go ahead and run my little battery through the power boost through this USB cable into the C port there. You can see it's, it's started booting up. Obviously, you're not gonna run this for very long on this little battery. I would guess an hour or something on this little battery, but you could go up to a big chonker donker like that right there. This is the Lucio Blaster running that exact uh, power boost 1000C. I integrated a little charging port here into the side. Then I have the enable grounded right now. If I flip this switch, it will turn on and supply power. And all of that is being powered by our power boost. The power boost 1000C. All right, and JP's workshop is uh, coming up on Thursday, and we also do a segment. But um, while we're here, again, I'm trying to sprinkle more yes, questions in. Yes, ask. So someone was asking, because yes. JP's going to be doing a, a Trinky um, segment on the show soon. Yes. Is there a board that you could plug all the Trinkies into? Yes, it's called a USB hub. Ah, and so that's a fun thing that you could do. There's probably some really neat hubs. Um, I kind of feel like in the keyboard world, there's, you know, the artisanal looking keyboards. Like maybe one day it'll be like a hub thing where people will make well, their own Well, there is, wasn't there a crowd supply, like a CircuitPython hub, I think? Yeah, there is. Like a smart hub? Yeah. Yeah, check it out. No, I mean one that's like, it's, everyone designs all the different covers oh, and cases for yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, like custom use. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I and then you plug in all your trinkies. Yeah, anyways. yeah. So um, we'll have a future segment on there and it'll probably be part of the CircuitPython Parsec, which was also on the shows this week. Take it away, JP, for this week's highlight. For the CircuitPython Parsec today, 
I want to show how you can create a color helper module. What is this all about? Well, when I'm using NeoPixels, I have certain colors that I like to use a lot. I want to reuse these colors, and rather than just copy and paste them from some document into my code, what I've done here is created a separate file. It's a separate module, and you can see it right here. It's just called jpcolors.py. And in this, I have defined a bunch of colors that I like to use. So red, green, blue, you'll notice. You'll also see here I've got this amber color that I really like to use a lot. And it's not one that I typically remember, hey, what exactly is amber? What's a good formula for that? So once you've tuned those and dialed those in once, you can save those variables in a class here. And this class I've created is called color. I've defined a bunch of color values. And then I save this as a separate module file on my CircuitPython device. Then you'll see inside of my code.py, when I want to use that, I'm simply importing it right here from JP Colors import color. So that imports that class from that module file. Then whenever I want to use colors, I can just simply call them by name down here. So I'm, I've created this little function called chase that creates these nice little chase effects. And the only input that I have to that is what color chase are we going to do? So if I want to use my amber color, then I say chase color.amber, and the rest is taken care of for me. So I have cyan, magenta, red, black, and white. And so that is a really simple way that you can create some variables that you want to reuse all over the place in a separate file. And that is how you can create a color helper module inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. All right, and don't forget on Friday's Deep Dive with Scott, I think Scott's going to be working on some really neat Raspberry Pi stuff and CircuitPython. And Bluetooth. So, and yeah, Bluetooth who knows exactly. More. Maybe so action. Check that out. Uh, time travel. Let's look around in the world of makers, hackers, artists, engineers. Okay, what is the news? Well, news. I just want to shout out, hey, Jarvin. Jarvin's in our chat. Oh, Jarvin. nice. Yeah. Uh, Hello. We just wish Jarvin a happy birthday not too long happy ago. Happy birthday well, to you. Well, it was a little while ago, and I'm just like, hey, here's some happy stuff. Happy birthday Go make some, to you. some ro robot companions. Happy Anyways, robot birthday. Um, okay. So Philby did a really neat video this week. This is uh, part of the, the vintage, the vintage computer. computing. Yeah, I can't make it to Vintage Computer Fest because we're not going to yeah. be doing indoor stuff, but uh, this is just as but good. But why, why should we when Philby can just do videos. a movie, a, a little video each week? Check Another item from the Vintage Box. It's a Philips VG8010 computer, which if you've never heard of, that's okay. I'll explain. Before before IBM clones became really ubiquitous, there were dozens of incompatible computers, and if you bought into one ecosystem, you were shut out of everything else. MSX was an early standardized home computer architecture. Software that ran on one machine would generally run on all the others. Functionally, it was mostly RAM and number of cartridge slots that distinguished them. Since these machines were all largely the same, companies relied on industrial design to set themselves apart, and some of these are really amazing. MSX was popular in Japan, Brazil, and much of Europe. Only two models were even sort of sold here. So being from the US, I have no particular nostalgia for this machine. I just think it looks so cool. I mean, just look at this keyboard. They really leaned into this 80s squared off aesthetic. It's like the 80s mall food court or the Volvo station wagon of computers. We gotta bring this look back. Who's with me? Okay, and I have a reminder for a reminder, reminder to reminder. remind me to mention that Adabox is almost already full again before we even ship in October. We will run so, out. Halloween's our most popular box. Yeah, and... Uh, Don't last, you want to join the cool unboxing with JP? Yeah, there so last year I thought that maybe people wouldn't do as many subscription services because there was lockdowns, there was other things because like maybe money would be tight. Yeah. But I feel like people are trying to get the most value out of a gift or something they do, and Ada boxes do that. It's fun. It's yeah. gu it's guaranteed so, success. So more people subscribed. In fact, the last Ada box was the most we've ever shipped, and this one will probably top that as well. So go to adabox.com and consider doing it, um, because we will run out. And um, there's also a global chip shortage supply, so this is the for sure way to get some really good new Adafruit hardware. Okay, Collins Lab notes every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we have miniature versions of Collins Lab. Collins Collins Lab notes. And uh, I'm gonna play. You play them all? I'm gonna play the one that went out. I think yesterday. Okay. So take it away. But they're all good. Check they're them out on I'm the TikToks, pick... the Twitters, the yeah, Instagrams, we... wherever you can we view one-minute-long videos. We post them there. Yeah. The voltage divider is one of the fundamental circuits used in electronics. 
you'll find it used again and again in schematics once you know to look for it. In its most common form, the resistive divider, two resistors are connected in series between a voltage source and ground to create a reference voltage. The relationship between these resistor values determines that reference voltage available at the node between them. We can use this simple equation to determine that voltage. So, with a 5 volt supply voltage, a first resistor value of 10k ohms, and a second value of 20k ohms, the voltage available between the resistors should be about 3.33 volts. And so it is. Thanks again, Math. Okay, other bits of uh, time traveling. Our latest Adafruit Internet of Things monthly newsletter went out. So we have a bunch of newsletters. We do not spam people. We don't harvest email addresses. We never use it for anything else. It's actually really even hard to sign up for our newsletters because they're on another website I know. called adafruitdaily.com because <sighs> we didn't want anyone to think their store account was ever connected to newsletter. Different servers. Anyways, um, so check out the latest one. And uh, for the folks that were curious about our uh, new no-code IoT feature, I mm -hmm. guess it's a feature within I.O. It's, it's, no, it's, it's like, a service, I mean, it's, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. A new element, new, new yeah. capability. Uh, you can check that out. But basically, you can get a beta invite. You can get a beta invite. Anyone do it. And um, we call it Whippersnapper. So you can check out all the latest uh, IoT projects that have nothing to do with Adafruit, and then um, some of the things that we're doing in the world of IoT and more. It's one of our popular newsletters. And speaking of popular newsletters, it's time for Python on Hardware. Yay, Blinka! What's new in Python on Hardware? Glad you asked. So, um, let's go over to the newsletter. Okay. So, Scott was on. The, um, Real Python? the Real Python podcast, and this was Building with CircuitPython and Constraints of Python for Microcontrollers, and uh, tune in. I'm going to talk about Linux in a second. We're going to get to that. And um, a little bit of a congratulations, 150 issues altogether. We've done this wow. business 150 times. That's so cool. Yeah. We have almost like 10,000 subscribers, right? It's like 9,000? Yeah, we're yeah. crossing the 9,000 mark. I yeah. think it, it's the most popular Python on hardware newsletter out there. It's for <laughs> sure. And it's free and there's no ads. And we try to always put good stuff in it. I, I send stuff that I see. There's stuff that makes it to the blog and some stuff that actually doesn't that I'm like, oh, this is kind of for the newsletter, not the blog. So this is a... Um, it doesn't replace the blog. It's good to have both because there's not there's some overlap, but not fully. Yeah, um, we have Arduino embracing Python. That yes. was good to see. So we we talked about that last project, week. Yeah, day. Professor John Gallagher uh, has the Circuit Python School. This is a full video course oh, for the fall. Yeah. yeah, like it's kind of nice. Um, talk about our different. Issues. Oh, I love this MTA sign thing. MTA sign. So they, they did the thing that's really hard. So by the way, anyone who's like, how hard can it get, could it possibly be to get proper MTA data? Actually really fucking hard. They use like this crazy protobuf format and it's like, it doesn't tell you when the train's coming, just what track segment, it's like bonkers. So they simplified it and they give you an endpoint that you can use to like get yeah. the data you want, which is very nice of them. All right, um, you can see uh, some really neat CircuitPython powered game. So this is, you know, asteroids like, yeah. um, but it is a really, really, really neat. Yes, and we've updated. You know, we we've been updating and improving um, the keyboard stuff, which is going to affect uh, gaming because now you can catch key presses even if you miss the button press. Like we have a, yeah. it captures an event. Okay, so a lot of this more, um, and of course, there's still a ton and ton of new bits of hardware that supports Python, and mm -hmm. then there's also a lot going on with what you can do once you have Python on hardware. Lots of keyboard stuff, lots of machine learning stuff, lots of LED stuff. So this week's topic, Lady Ada, that I want to talk about, yes. it's in the newsletter, is Linux turned 30 years old. That's right. And we have a little bit of a post about it. Famous Linus was post. doing this 30 years ago. Yes. So I have a, a two-part question for you. Mm. Um, first up, why has Linux been so important. I'm not going to say like innovative and I'm not going to say um, valuable 
Because those are words that are normally not associated with like an open source. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think those are. I mean, I think those are like you know. Why did of, it work out? They're clickbaity. Yeah. I think you know Linux. You know, one thing I will say is Linux did, did not really make it to the desktop, and I think that's actually okay. I mean, it did in, in a sense. You know, Linux and and BSD and Chromebooks. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's Chromebooks and and underlying um, you know Mac OS ten, and of course you know there's there's uh, the Windows. Uh, uh, subsystem Linux that's available in, in Windows 10 now. So, you know, every operating system that you would use on the desktop does have access to Linux or Unix-like operating systems underneath. I mean, it turns out that people just, they want more from an operating system and that's fine. I think that um, where it's totally won, of course, is is the, the servers and embedded uh, machinery like that. It's it's just totally dominated yeah. by And Linux. why do you think that is? Because that's, that's the leap I don't see um, a lot of these, like, this, Linux 30 years, like, wh why do you think it, it's used for that? I think, you know, there's, there's the, it is free, um, it's easy to develop for, but I think the thing that makes it, you know, so powerful is that you can strip apart, it's very, it's very modular in a sense, so you can strip it apart and strip it down to run on, you know, very simple hardware, um, but also build it up to build, you know, to create uh, fairly complicated um, user interfaces. I mean, like, you know, you, you of course still see blue screens of death, lots of things are still running Windows um, because Windows is essentially free with a computer. But, um, you know, one thing that's nice about Linux is it can really be customized in a way that, of course, Windows you'll never be able to because with Linux, you can create, you know, we had a custom distribution that we did. You can really customize it. You can write device drivers. You can do the specialty stuff that is very hard to do with Linux. I mean, every, sorry, hard to do with Windows or Mac. Um, with Linux, you know, the moment you install Linux, you have access to all the tools you need to plug into it, to extend it, and customize it. And you see that a lot. You know, a lot of embedded Linux um, distributions have custom binary blobs. You can argue whether that's good or bad, um, but it, it is something that you can do. You know, if you want to, it, it's possible for a single individual to port Linux to something like the Raspberry Pi, mm -hmm. right? Whereas porting Windows to the Raspberry Pi is just not possible. You know, that's a, that you have to get mm -hmm. Windows involved. You have to get Microsoft to, to sign on to it. You don't have access to that. Yeah. And I think that that, um, that customization, that ability, it's, it's such a small, th it's, it's a thing that not many people need to do, but if you want to have hardware that, that has an operating system underneath it, and you need to have an operating system to do IoT stuff now, it's very, very hard to connect to the internet or to deal with massive amounts of data without yeah. why the reinvent underpinning. that? Yeah, it's just, I mean, you can have individual devices that are not Linux-based, but like, you know, the you know, people always come to us and they're like, okay, you know, I want to have Ethernet with SSL, what should I do? And I just say like, just get a Raspberry Pi. You know, if you're, if yeah. you're, if you're, if you're just, unless you are so power and size constrained, honestly, it's cheaper just to get embedded Linux to do what you want because you have access to like, all of the tools, you know, you can parse data. You don't have to reinvent everything yeah. over and over again. So I think that's where, from a hardware point of view, that's where I All think right. it's powerful. And shout out to Bunny who saw this coming with the Chumbi where he was doing Linux on hardware before mm. all of us. Yeah, so, I mean, I love the, the, the Chumbi was amazing. Um, it wasn't the first, you know, the PC-104s I think had Linux beforehand. It wasn't the first embedded Linux board, but it was the first one where the idea was, um, you know, here here is a development board that has GPIO and that has... Linux and that has just enough hardware capability to, to interface with. You can still see our first Chumbi guide where I was like, oh my God, I connected an accelerometer to Linux and I could read accelerometer data and then send that over TCP IP to something else. I don't even know if the people were using MQTT at the time, so it wasn't like I sent it to, maybe there was people that sent it to Patch Bay or something, but it was, it was kind of amazing. It was like, okay, we've got hardware and you've got software and you can actually that firmware, it, firmware got eaten by software. It just, you know, I, I have opinions about um, right. device drivers. So part but, two of my question yeah. is, so we're the, not the only authors, but we've tried to do something, I think pretty important with Linux and Python, and we called it Blinka. How, how does that all interact? Because Linux had to happen for this to happen. And CircuitPython had to happen. Yeah, I think I think the computers just got fast enough. Embedded Linux computers got fast enough that they can run Python, and and to me that's really uh, powerful because you know I've, I've spent um, I know Python isn't perfect with versioning and packaging. There there's flaws with it, but it's not nearly as for for a lot of simple things. It's not nearly as extraordinarily frustrating as um, trying to cross compile C code. Um, 
from driver to, from, from computer to computer, especially, you know, when you're dealing with stuff like GPIO, now we have the GPID, but historically you would have to, you know, memory map stuff um, to get access to some of this hardware, which just kind of really made it, made it very unportable. And so having, a, you know, a, a layer like Python made it easy. And I kind of, you know, I, I, I liked Perl a lot more, but, um, you know, we saw Python sort of winning the, the interpreted language fight. And so we're like, okay, we're gonna go in on, all in on Python. And um, you can see my um, Linux Australia talk. There's a Linux conference Australia talk, and it goes into this for like 45 minutes of, of the evolution of, of why I decided to have a circuit Python compatibility layer on Linux. Um, suffice to say, you really, really want to have one driver um, for every, I, I don't like to have you know, four different drivers, one for MicroPython, one for C, one for SDK, one for Arduino. You know, I can have one that's C-like and one that's Python-like and you know, we're done. Everything else just, try to stick to um, a standard. And so for us, CircuitPython and Blinka was, was that yeah. standard that we're now- 76 um, different boards and- Porting. And here's the thing, it actually works really well. We get very little support questions yeah. for all of the different boards. I mean, we get more questions asking to, to support new boards, but for the most part, you can pick up any of these devices and then pick up any of our you know, I squared C sensors and plug them in and they will just work, uh, which is sure. like, Pretty cool. Making it easy. Pretty cool. Okay. And that's, uh, I want to spend a little time on this because the point is Linux is 30 years. Check out the LCA talk. I really, maybe someone can post the link because it really, like, I, I spent a yeah. lot of time on it and it was, I did, I think, like January 21st or something. It was mid-January. And because uh, I remember you were, you were helping me with the talk and it, it really goes into, people yeah. are like, why, why did you decide to do this? I explain everything of why you can, you can argue with me that I didn't decide right, but I'll explain to you why I decided yeah. it. And uh, while we're in here, people are asking about CircuitPython and are there third-party libraries? And yes, we have the community bundle and a bunch yeah, of the yeah, and yeah. a bunch of the contributors uh, happen to just be in the chat too. So um, I really look. I mean, I know, you know a this. new standard is a standard, which just means you have now another standard. But really, if you're going to write driver code that you want to run on Linux, please, please, please write it using our CircuitPython compatibility layer. We will take care of all the nonsense of making it work from board to board. And even I squared C, you often need your GPIO pin for reset or for address select or for interrupt. And, and that stuff is not well exposed in Linux. That's, that's the annoying part is each board has a slightly different way of, of doing GPIO. And so we kind of yeah. abstracted that away for you. And you know, yes, you can use Sisyphus, but sometimes Sisyphus isn't available, you know, or they don't use it yeah. or it's very slow. Um, so it's like, it, you know, it's a solution looking for a problem or vice versa. I'll put uh, one more question in for this. Yeah. Uh, is it safe to assume that any CircuitPython board that's in there now will be supported forever? Probably. To but some like, extent. Yeah, I, I think that the, the SAMD... It might not be physically available. The SAMD21s will eventually just not be able to support a lot of the stuff that we do because the, the chips are just small. So I think, you know, if you're... I think the bigger chips, you know, they're going to last longer. It's a little bit like Arduino. Like we still... We still sell the original trinket with the AT Tiny 85, but yeah. I really don't recommend it. We tell people, don't buy this. People do, and we tell them, do not buy it. It's only for old projects. Yeah, but to flip that around, it's yeah. uh, when we do an update with CircuitPython, hundreds of boards get all updated yeah. now, right away. Okay, and that's Python on Hardware this week. Okay, Lady Ada, we have 2,532 guides. Yeah. At learn.adafruit.com this week on the big board. Okay, I had a bunch of guides go live this week. Um, all right, so we had the CNC mill keycaps and the 4x4 NeoPixel keypad. We're just finishing up some keyboard projects that uh, working on. The CNC uh, milled wooden keycaps is a, a pretty cool guide because mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very advanced guide on, um, on milling and jigging. Katni, uh, you got a guide for the new SCD40 and 41 CO2 um, sensors. We've also got... Uh, and I uh, used to use a scramble pad at work, and so she kind of made a DIY scramble pad using the macro pad, which is cool, uh, and it controls a, a solenoid, so it's showing how to ex connect some external yeah. hardware. How about I show you it working? Oh, yeah, sure. I got it. I think this is the one, yeah. So it scrambles it, you type the numbers in, and then I believe this is the unlock one where it, the solenoid will, yep, Yay. there it goes, okay. Okay, sweet. What else Thank you got you. going on? Um, we've got, uh, Carter wrote a guide um, for people who are still using DHT11s and 22s. 
Um, we really want you to stop doing that. Uh, please stop using these sensors. They are not fun to use. They are very difficult, especially with Linux, because they require a real-time operating system. Um, but even on Arduino, um, it kind of sucks, especially when there's a RTOS behind the scenes. So uh, please don't use it. Catney order guide. Um, we uh, fixed up some audio playback on the RP2040 with CircuitPython. You can play MP3s um, on the RP2040 uh, using CircuitPython. So that could be even on something yeah. like the Pico where you don't have a lot of disk space. You can you can put on an MP3 and it can be a, you know a minute or two long uh, if it was mono and I think you know 16 kilobit per second. Not the most amazing quality, but you also um, maybe that's all right. So check out that guide if you want some quick code to try it out. And from Nun Pedro, we got a new prop this week. It's a 3D printed rat catcher controller. Yeah, we saw the, the Suicide Squad. Yeah, we'll have that in the video. Okay, uh, made in New York City factory footage. Adafruit factory, take it away. Right, try it. Oh, that's cool. Almost there. And it wouldn't be Adafruit Factory footage unless there was uh, parts of the, the Disney building uh, being Many floors now. driven there or being constructed. Lots of beams. This is a time lapse. And then um, I was uh, testing out this black and white camera thing. And so I also have something to contribute this week. Here's a black and white photo of the outside of the front of Adafruit. And then I took this photo right before the show as the rain started coming into New York. You could oh, see. Yeah. All right, 3D printing. Time to catch some rats. That's right. So we're gonna play these two back to back. The first one is going to be the rat catcher, and then the second one is um, this 3D printed Geordi uh, LaForge visor. So we can see this here. So see you on the other side. Hey, what's up folks? In this project, we're making Rat Catcher's Communicator from the Suicide Squad. The Rat Catcher Communicator is a device used by the Rat Catcher to control and manipulate swarms of rats. We were inspired by the Suicide Squad to 3D print the device and light it up with Adafruit Circuit Playground Express. CircuitPython is great for beginners who are looking to use NeoPixels in their cosplay projects. With the LED animation library, you can experiment with different effects using our demo code. With CircuitPython, you can quickly make changes and see your projects update in real time on just about any computer. The parts are 3D printed using different colors of filament. The various pieces are joined together with some hardware screws. 
The wireframe pieces are 3D printed with a bit of support material. With some adjustments to your slice settings, they easily come off with a pair of flat nose pliers. The handle has a few details like these knobs that are attached with screws. The pommel lines up with the mounting holes and secured in place with additional machine screws. This 2200 LiPo battery slides into the handle with the power cable facing out. We routed a JST extension cable through the stem piece with the excess wiring fitted through the holes in the bottom. The mount for the circuit playground is attached to the stem piece with more screws so it's nice and secured. The mounting holes on the circuit playground are lined up with the built-in standoffs and secured in place. The two domes are then attached to the stem piece again with more machine screws. The wireframe pieces are then fitted through the collar of the stem and secured with another set of screws. The handle can then be fitted under the stem with the two mounting holes lined up and secured with, you guessed it, more machine screws. To turn it on, just connect the battery cable to the JST extension and that's it! We hope this inspires you to use CircuitPython in your cosplay projects and check out Adafruit's Circuit Playground Express and share your projects with us on Adafruit's weekly show and tell. And don't forget 3D Hangouts, new on Pedro, every single Wednesday at 11 a.m. Lady, are you ready? Yes. It's time for High on API. That's right. High on API. High on MPI brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. Thank you, DigiKey. This week's on MPI is Conductive Containers. What is it? What do they do? What is this? Okay, conductive containers. Oh, I want um, this. I think I want this. You do. Well, they're they're very nice uh, packaging for electronics. We talk a lot about you know components and PCBs and soldering processes, but um, you also have to take your boards and you have to store them or you have to ship them, um, whether because you're shipping boards uh, to a customer or um, a subcontractor or to your packaging location. And um, you know I've seen the packaging that uh, CCI sells, but I kind of didn't think that I would want to buy it. And obviously you'd want to buy it, right? Because you have to, uh, you, you like many other manufacturers um, or makers need to ship around hardware. And um, they make a nice series of um, boxes. They make two types that we're gonna cover here. One's called like the pillow stat. And these are um, ESD uh, cardboard, ESD coated cardboard with ESD foam in two layers that kind of fold over each other. And that's the, the one I've got here. And then they've also got, um, uh, the Corstat, uh, which is the corrugated, um, like pink foam, and these I've definitely seen. I've, I've had like you know VGA cards or whatever shipped in this. Um, these are just larger. They have the corrugated foam, so they're they're better for, and the foam is softer. Um, so these are better for like large PCBs and and designs um, that you want to sell. And of course, you know you, you could put the boards inside of an anti-stat bag inside of here, but it is kind of nice because it's it's all anti-stat. The whole thing. It's from like top to bottom, nose to tail, um, anti-stat. And um, another thing that's really uh, nice about these packages is that um, they come in multiple off-the-shelf sizes. Now, you know, you can uh, absolutely, you know, contact this company and, and get custom sizes. And if you're doing something with 100,000 or 10,000 pieces, you know, I think they're in Michigan and, and I'm sure they'd be happy to quote you and make it. But chances are you can use one of the off-the-shelf sizes. Um, they have quite a few. Uh, here are... Oh, Pardon me. They have uh, the, the, this is the, pardon me. Um, they have the corrugated pack sizes uh, and you can see it's like seven by five and four by four and 10 by 10. So multiple different sizes um, available off the shelf. Um, the new thing for this week is the, the pillow stack, which are these um, thinner, they're, they're kind of component boxes, but you can use them for PCBs. I thought maybe you'd show that on the overhead real fast. 
how they come. So uh, it's all black, but you'll you can you can just deal with that. Comes in to free black. Hold on, let me focus on. Okay, um, so they come uh, you know flat uh, like this. Um, you know, package. So, you know, you can, you can buy large quantities of them and they come flat and then you fold them up when you get them. Um, and here, for example, I have a Trinkie and then this is, uh, you know, a very nice soft foam uh, layer um, that can kind of cradle. If you have parts on the bottom, they won't get crushed. And then you fold over this foam and then... Hold on. Maybe yeah, you can probably even turn on the light. Turn on the light. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit nicer. Uh, Yes, you can even see the foam. So you have the foam, and then you cover it with foam. So now it has anti-step foam on both sides, and then you fold both pieces over. And then on the top, you've got uh, the ESD warning. And you, you can tape it closed if you want, and I've gotten parts you know, closed. I've got uh, chips and LCDs and stuff yeah. um, in this, um, this packaging before. And then you know the core stat, which is the pink foam, is, is larger. I neglected to get one of those. But um, you've probably seen hardware that you've received come in it. And what's nice is that you don't need to have you know, an anti-stat and then anti-stat bubble and then like an anti-stat box. It's kind of like all in one. It's, it's very compact and effective and it's very fast, um, especially if you can just get the um, off the shelf stuff. All right, and then you have this other. Uh, oh, this is just all website. the options for the so core stat. This is the core stat and this is the pillow stat. The pillow stat's yeah. kind of for thinner stuff and the core stat's for uh, larger stuff. Um, and while you're at it, you know, we do, uh, they do have other really cool stuff at CCI, um, which I recommend you check out. And uh, DigiKey carries some of them. Um, this is a really nice ESD, like all folded cardboard box with a little handle. Um, they also have real storage, which we use here, actually. Uh, yeah. Phil can look and see that we have all all this core stat that's used to hold our reels here at the Adafruit factory. Um, it's really durable, it looks great, it lasts for a very long time, even though it's just you know wax coated or whatever coated cardboard. Um, we've, we've used a lot of uh, CCI stuff to do our ESD handling in-house. You know, it's, it's, I've, I've heard from manufacturers who are like, oh, you know, I skipped an ESD step and actually that's what was killing 10% of my boards. It's a super shame, you know, if you go to all the effort to do some manufacturing and then, you know, somebody who's a little bit dried out and, and staticky and wearing wool um, zaps your hardware. So that's why I recommend packaging it in ESD safe, um, all your PCBs in ESD safe materials. And we do that here at Adafruit. And uh, now yeah. we have another option from CCI. All right, available from DigiKey. And you can check out the short URL here or the part number. You can search for it by its name or 2079308. And there's a whole series. I picked, I picked one box. I think this is the box that I've got here. But um, they have a, a bunch of different sizes, so don't... Uh, and we dug up, uh, they have a video channel and we have a video, so we're yeah. gonna play it, it's about a minute or so. Okay. We're gonna play the video. Correct pack shippers, made with Corestat conductive corrugated. The outer box provides for the Faraday cage. You open up the containers, the containers has foam laminated to the top, loose in the bottom. The foam construction is convoluted where it has fingers and a base. If you put a board down in there, the foam on top comes down and encapsulates the board by the fingers up here, matching the base here, and it surrounds the product so you don't have any movement once it's inserted into the box. The box is a front lock mailer, so the tabs lock in place just like that. It has all the appropriate symbols on it for ESD. This version is a pink uh, non-permanent solution. So this would be a one-way shipper. You can upgrade the box to a black permanently dissipative foam, again convoluted, so it's universal. You could also change out the mailer portion of it to conductive fluted plastic, which adds a little more rigidity and uh, longevity to the, uh, to the box. Correct pack shippers. And that's this week's INMPI. Thanks, Krista. Hi, INMPI. Okie dokie, Lady Ada, before we do new products, proximity's code. Yes. Okay, we're ready for the new, 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 new. Let's new. do it.
Alright. Okay, it's time so for new. First All right, up. so we got some MA keycaps. Um, we've carried DSA keycaps or XDA keycaps. But just do uh, all the colors right now? Yeah, so we have okay. white, we have cream white. I'll show you on the overhead too. We've got red, kind of like a nice cherry red. We've got this kind of cyan blue, light blue color. Keep going, the gumdrop deliciousness. Blue, blue, blue. We've got like an orange, a deep orange. Deep yellow orange. We've got like a creamsicle, nice orangey yellowish color. Yeah. And we've got a blink of purple. A lot. And we've got a, a kind of a pastel pink. Lots of colors. So. Um, can you show this on the overhead? Oh yeah, I can show. So yeah, we just have a bunch of colors. Hold on, so many colors. Um, okay, so we can go to the overhead. And I can show some of these off. So all these different colors available, kind of a mint green. This is a little bit pale. Let me see if I can. Okay. Um, so each one of these is MX compatible. It's got that cross uh, at the bottom, so you know it's um, MX. So you can use it with Cherry MXs. You can use this with Gatorons, Kales, whatever, uh, as long as they have that kind of standard uh, cross. Um, at the bottom. Um, all the buttons are totally symmetric. And you know what I like about them? They have this kind of this cool, like, they're square at the bottom and then they kind of come up to this almost circular shape. Um, it's got a little bit, I don't know, I kind of feel like it's got this little 60s, 70s kind of feel to it. Um, it's a little bit more old school. Um, they're chunky, uh, but I like these keycaps. I think the colors are really good. Um, like this purple. It's not like a bright purple. It's, it's kind of a, a nice chill purple um, and the the mint green is also quite nice um, so because they're symmetric you know you can put them either way I'll say of course they come blank as you can see uh, you get five per and they don't have any writing on them you can write on them you can also attach a sticker or you can do some sort of uh, uh, you know embossing if you like um, I don't think you should laser these because they're probably made with uh, PVC and so they're not gonna laser very nicely I'd recommend a sticker or just you can draw on them or just leave them like as is but so these are called uh, MA uh, profile so just uh, keep that in mind they're they're much taller than uh, DSA or XDA profile okay next up lady it is okay uh, next up we've got the rack Laura hat pie four enclosure. This is just the enclosure uh, that you would fit a pie four into. Again, you know, the pie four switched around the ethernet and USB and there's two HDMI. So if you want to use the rack wireless um, Laura hat, which looks like, it just looks kind of like a square. So I'll show it on, on the overhead in a little bit. Um, you would use this case, this case, it's a very nice uh, case with the anodized aluminum and it's got all the slots and holes. Uh, to use the um, Laura hat, so let me let me show it, and it's it's not attached inside of it, but then maybe y'all you, you, can understand what I'm going for here. Okay, I got these keycaps still hanging out. So this is uh, the Pi Four, and you can see it's bolted to the bottom, and it's got it's a nice it's a nice case, and then um, over here you see all uh, these holes and slots. Well, if you attach the um, hat, this is the Laura concentrator hat, so it allows you to make a uh, Laura gateway, an eight-channel Laura gateway with a Raspberry Pi. Um, these holes let you mount all the antenna ports onto it. So, you know, this this you know you don't have to use it with the Laura hat, but like it's kind of designed for it, and it sort of makes the most sense. So I do recommend it. Um, and of course, we also have a kit. You can go to the kit next, and the kit gets you. The case, the hat, and a power supply. And it, you would basically just add in a Pi 4. The reason why the Pi 4 isn't included, um, whereas before we, we were trying to include a Pi, is there's four different kinds of Raspberry Pi 4 with one, two, four, and eight gigabyte of memory. And you know, some people might want more or they might want less. We don't want to assume. So instead, you, know, you just add on the Pi 4, we have them in the shop, um, to make your LoRa gateway. and then. Once you've had this gateway, you know, of course, use the Pi 4 as a LoRa to internet gateway. Um, you can then add other sensors that have LoRa radios to send data to the concentrator, which then uploads it to the internet, and now you've got your mesh network. Good for you. Okay, next up. Next up from Solder Party, uh, if you have a Pi Pico, 
and you're like, I want to use the um, keyboard feather wing from Solder Party, and you don't want to use it with a feather, you want to use it with Pico, this little couple dollar board is a little adapter thing, comes with some header, and you just sort of solder it in place with the attached header, and here you go, all the pins are rerouted. You could also use this for like generic feather wings, by the way. Um, you don't have to use it for um, just the uh, keyboard feather wing, but like, boy, it's designed exactly for it. It's got the mounting holes and everything ready to go. Okay, and uh, this isn't the start of the show, but it's, it's, it's up there because we have uh, a Trinky we're debuting, but I wanted to give this one special attention. This is the DigiKey. Key. Yes, this was featured <laughs> in key. AdaBox uh, 19. Uh, we, you know, we found a supplier that would make us these custom keycaps, and we're just like so in love with them. So, DigiKey yeah. logo looks awesome yeah, as a keycap. And these are the ones that we have a couple left over from the you know the AdaBox. We always get extras in case we have to do replacements. Yeah. Um, we have a couple extra DigiKeys, of course, stocking this, and we're stocking it. Um, if you have a keyboard, um, this is you know Cherry MX compatible, like almost every key we have. Um, it has this glow-through design, so if you have an RGB keyboard or a backlit keyboard, of course, it's going to look extra good. But it also looks good without, um, with the cool modernized uh, DigiKey logo. Uh, so check it out on the DigiKey site or at Adafruit, and uh, you can pair it up with our other cool custom keycaps, including the Adafruit one. And All right, here we go. World premiere. More Trinkies. Star of the product, star of, <laughs> star of the show this week for the products, besides you, Lady Ada. Yes. Our team. Our staff, our it's customers. It's a new Trinkie. There's Trinkies. This I one is Trinkie the is Proximity Trinkie. Yeah. So the Proximity Trinkie um, is kind of the last Trinkie of my first batch. I mean, we'll do more Trinkies, but this was the first kind of batch of Trinkies I put together. Um, this uh, Trinkie, it features a SAMD21. Uh, it's a very low-cost and small microcontroller board. Um, plugs into USB-A, and it features capacitive touch, uh, some NeoPixels, and as jellies elegant waving shows you it has a proximity sensor as well it has an ap ds uh, 9960 um, one of our favorite sensors it's a low cost it's only like a dollar or so and it has um, color proximity light and uh, even gesture gesture sensor honestly i don't think is nothing to write home about but it does have it um, but it's really good at proximity and color and light that's what it's it's excellent for it has built-in ir leds and detectors and then um you know, you can see how the colored light does not interfere with the IR light, which is kind of nice. So you can have both these NeoPixels shining as well as um, uh, the proximity, the IR light coming off of the proximity sensor uh, to let you do distance sensing. And I thought this would be cool because you can plug it into your computer and then, you know, you can have this new interface um, that most computers don't have. You know, you can have mouse and keyboard and sometimes there's a capacitive touch, but you rarely have, you know, a... Um, proximity sensing element. We saw that like Cano made a sensor like this, but I think it got discontinued. Uh, so we thought it would make for a great yeah. Trinkie. So I thought I'd show a quick demo um, on the overhead. Yeah, you could control a volume knob, um, a volume slider. All sorts of stuff. You could do HID yeah. and uh, MIDI or, you know, have it, con you know, you can yeah. run Arduino or CircuitPython Turn on pages. it. Um, okay, so actually this is, uh, yeah, so if you see if my hand gets closer and farther, it's just making brighter. the LED brighter. And then uh, if I press this button, I can change the color. So it's just a demo showing um, capacitive touch, uh, NeoPixels, and proximity. Um, but, you know, the APDS is a really well-established, uh, friendly and happy sensor um, that people have used at Arduino and CircuitPython. So I think it's, it's an easy one to quickly integrate. And um, the proximity sensing, I, I think, is quite solid. It's one of the nicer surface mount proximity sensors that I've used. So it's a good way if you want to add, like, simple gestures or motion or, um, you know, hand movement up and down. And then there is a gesture sensor built. There is a gesture capability for doing side-to-side -side gesture sensing. But it's kind of a pain. I don't, I don't really like it. it. It requires, like, exactly the right speed. And it's hard to, you know, with practice you can get good at it. But um, I, I think for color sensing, light sensing, and proximity, this is, this is great. And you just plug it into USB, so it's very easy to use. Boom. Okay. You got sensing. Any computer. And that is the new product for this week. Thank you, Bat Trinky. Okay, um, we're going to do a little bit top secret. 
Um, while we do that, load up your questions over on adafruit.it slash discord. We'll get to those in just a few moments. Please put them in discord. Let's do some not secret, Lady Ada. Okay. We've got two things. All right. First up. First up, we posted this on the socials and more. What is it? Oh, um, you know, I'm redoing all of our STEMA, our, all of our sensor boards to be STEMA QT. And the Vemel 7700 was one of the last sensors we did in the old style before we added um, STEMA QT connectors to everything. And so, uh, you know, I was looking at this sensor for some other reason. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot to convert this over to STEMA QT. So I'm doing it. And um, we also found that we can get this sensor in both, um, like, vertical and horizontal mount. It's the same sensor, but because the pads go around, it can stick out or can stick up. And so I thought I'd make two versions. And that's why the light sensor is kind of at the top there. Um, it's very rare to find a light sensor that's right angle. Usually they're just, you know, they point straight out from the PCB. So I thought it could be interesting to make a version that's pointing outwards. Um, and so you could edge mount it onto something if you wanted to do light sensing that way. Okay, and then next up, you had a thing you wanted to show? Oh, yeah, I can uh, yeah. plug this in. Maybe I'll plug this into the battery and then this battery will work. All right, Maybe. here we go. Yeah, okay. So um, for the... I'm going to turn the light off on this. I know. It does not like the bright LEDs. It's like, what are you doing? Add it. I must add it. It doesn't Got like it. it. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. good enough. Um, so we had the LED ring mapping done, and now I did the matrix mapping. So you can see um, it's a 16 by 5 matrix of RGB LEDs. Yeah, it's freaking out again. But, um, but actually, yeah, it looks cool. It's got like a little yeah. bulky look. Uh, and you can see that the um, LED mapping, especially around here with the rings, um, I actually have to do focus a lot. Uh, especially around here with the rings, it's a little bit uneven, but it means that we can have an overlay ring as well as a matrix. And that's why you see like this little... This little lady right here is kind of pushed in a little bit, and this one's a little pushed out. And this one right here is where you, you see the the um, ring and the matrix kind of intersect. But I think mm -hmm. it's good enough. Okay. And that's this week's top secret. Back in the vault. Back in the vault. All right, let's answer a couple questions. We're going to do some we'll questions, and then uh, I'm going to go fix a leak by window. Yeah, yeah, we got to some water happening. The glamorous life of running a company. Um, okay, so here's some of the questions. Uh, first one um, that I had lined up. Uh, does the Adafruit BQ24074 solar charger simultaneously charge a LiPo battery and a power load? Yeah, it's got a split. The power supply is load sharing. Okay. Um, so it will, it will, as long as you have enough solar power coming in, you can do both, but it will always prioritize the load over the battery. Yeah, uh, someone was asking about our not forever trinkies, and I want to be really clear. Adafruit is making. I haven't actually done it. Adafruit's yet. making physical electronics, and I made a joke that we're calling these not forever trinkies. Adafruit does not do NFTs, um, and uh, we don't endorse NFTs. But the not forever trinkies, we have a bunch of them lined up. We just have to, we just have to get to them. Yeah. We have a really like there's some really neat, un, neat unique. Uh, parts that we'll be able to make like maybe a hundred, and that'll be it. And I think that's a it's a fun. Thing. It's like a not forever trinky. Yeah. yeah. Um, request for um, our boards, uh, USB-C. Folks like USB-C. It's good for everything, but not everything. We tend to use it, but sometimes thing, but we everything. don't. Yeah. So if we don't, there's a reason we don't. Yeah. But for the most part, we do. Okay. Uh, there there are see. some. There's there's always a reason if we don't. Are the LEDs going out because of the camera, or is it actually the code? No, it's just the, that's just the camera. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, I think I got Jacob's ladder tricky. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll work on that. High Let's voltage, high voltage uh, tricky is a plenty. Are we going to convert the TCS34725 color sensor to Stemma as well? We, we will, but we might find a different sensor. I don't, that sensor kind of drives me a little crazy. Oh. Oh. oh, it's national it's emergency alert. alert. Yeah. Oh. Uh, did you know it's really rainy? <laughs> it's hey, global it's pandemic. It's a storm. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a flood warning there's for our There's a flood area. tornado warning, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. That's what, that's what this is going on. Okay. okay. Uh, if you're using... 
Oh, an air sensor trinky. That's a good idea. Air sensor. Um, question if you're using. You can use our Stemma QT trinky and just plug in an air could, sensor. You could do I'm it. I'm not going to make every sensor possible, yeah, so just, just but, beware. But, that, but, but air sensor one, that's one up there because like every, everyone, everyone has air sensor things. Uh, question if you're using the LiPo charger with a feather, can you still use a feather USB for charging or only the solar chargers USB? Do you need to disconnect the don't, solar? Don't connect the two. Okay. You can only use one or the other. Proximity LEDs coming. Is that a question mark? I don't understand okay. what you're asking. Proximity. Question. Proximity LEDs glassing, glasses coming. Maybe they mean for the, the front. I don't bump into things. I don't yeah. know what to tell you. Okay. Look, look, look ahead of you. Anyone have suggestions for a low-cost RF mixer that can down-convert frequencies in the 1.4 gigahertz range of lower frequencies to be sampled with a low-cost analog digital converter for a radio telescope project? I don't know off the top of my head. I know Mini Circuits carries that sort of thing. Um, yeah, you're going to pay for it, but it will do the job. So, um, you know, Mini Circuits is carried by DigiKey, but you might have to go to the Mini Circuits site and search specifically. There's a bunch of like very RF-specific module sellers. You know, they'll get, you'll have an SMA connector and then you can go to town. Okay, uh, is there a way to detect someone touching any part of a circuit without using a visible foil as uh, they'd use in passive touch? I noticed with the multimeter, the resistance goes up by 0 0.001 ohms. Well, your multimeter can't measure 0 0.001 ohms. Okay. Um, so, not really. I mean, you could, you could try to put the capacitive touch layer in an inner layer, but I think if you wanted to do that, you would have done that. So the fact that you're asking kind of makes me think you're trying to do it without any copper, and that's not possible. Okay. Um, suggestions for positioning indoors? Like, yeah. um, we, we covered last week's IMPI, we covered an indoor positioning system that you can use with Bluetooth. Okay. Um, when we were showing the proximity trinket, uh, someone was thinking of a theremin. Could you make a theremin with it? Yeah, you can make a theremin. There you go. Theremin trinket. Maybe we missed out on the proximity trinket. Maybe it shouldn't have been a bat. Maybe it should no, have been some theremin playing. I didn't. I think that the theremin's a little bit too easy. I like that it's like it's not just a theremin. It does other things. Okay, you're okay with being a bat. Yes. Right. Also, a theremin is is a two part. It's more complicated. It's not proximity. It's capacitive load, and it's not, it doesn't do that. It's something else. Okay. Uh, do you have recommendation for a cheap circuit Python Wi-Fi board? Uh, yeah, check out uh, the ESP32S2s. Okay, is it crazy that I want to use StemmyQT for NeoPixel strands? Not a great idea because uh, the wires are quite thin. It's not high power. Okay. And I think, let me just make sure. Uh, yeah, two inches of rain everywhere, thanks, yeah. yeah. Everyone's getting, like, <laughs> if you're on the East Coast right now, it's, it's, rain like, time. it's like, yep, rain, rain, rain. Okay. Well, that's our questions for tonight. Okay. Well, we did a lot of questions. We did a bunch of questions tonight. Thank Thanks, you, everybody. everybody. We'll continue to uh, monitor the chats. Oh, one just snuck in. I'll, uh, I'll do it right before you. Any other uh, RP2040 boards coming? Tons. Oh. And that's as much as we can say. It's not out yet. Don't ask. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, everybody. All right. That's our uh, show for night this week. Thank it's you, Jesse May, behind the scenes. It yes. is super rainy. I have to go fix a leak. Go fix a and leak. more. And uh, please, everyone, stay safe and uh, do all the things you need to do to continue to stay safe. I'd very much like to see people in person one day at some type of giant gathering where we all get to hang out and show our projects together. But until then, we have show and tells. We have Ask an Engineer. We can keep doing this. We'll keep sending out all these cool electronics for you. We'll keep doing open source. We'll keep publishing. We'll do all these things because you all seem to like it. And uh, if you're going to support oh. us, save 10%. Save Proximity. a few bucks. Proximity right. is the code. I can... I can. I can tell it's getting wet in here. Yeah, so we'll see everybody next week. Uh, I'm going to do a moment of Zener. I'm going to play a little bit of music. And then we went on a Ferris wheel in Times Square, and I'm going to play one-minute footage from that. Okay. All right, here's your moment of Zener. Bye, everybody. Have a good week. Stay dry.
Yeah. Uh, we just got here. <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't met me yet. And there's a global pandemic, and we're on a Ferris wheel in Times Square. It's super fun. 